You know, this whole year has been about making lots of lemonade out of lemon situations. Dizwins Radio, episode 846, starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, just want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the Little Things Course. Yes, that is uh, my my free video, text, multimedia website, the whole the whole nine yard uh, course about all the things we do besides running that help us improve our running. So you know, as as looking towards the fall, hopefully having fall races back on the calendar, obviously training and building up towards those races, kind of important. You know what else is important? Doing the little things, taking care of your diet, taking care of uh, recovery, maybe adding some cross training into the mix, soft tissue work, sleeping, all those types of things are invaluable to your growth as a runner, to staying healthy as a runner. And uh, we tackle all of those things and a little bit more in the Little Things course. So uh, you can point your browser over to disruns.com slash little things and roll for free, as in free, free, no cost, no, no nothing. Um, and uh, check it out. Dive into it. Learn a few things. You know, implement a few things. That's maybe the most important part. You can learn all you want, but if you don't put it into practice, that learning doesn't do you any good. So check it out. It's things you've heard me talk about in the show before. It's uh, things that uh, maybe you know, but uh, you don't know, or you don't know that you do know, or you know that you need to do it. Whatever the case might be, hopefully we can help you get down going on the right track when it comes to taking care of yourself, adding the little things into the mix because. Uh, just because they're called little things doesn't mean they're not important. So check it out, disruns.com slash little things. And now let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, many of us have some pretty big goals for ourselves and our running and to get today's guest is certainly no exception. She is uh, currently on a mission to run 30 marathons in 30 countries before she turns 30. And uh, in doing so is hoping to raise quite a bit of money for some very worthy organizations. And uh, like all of us right now in the time of, uh, you know, COVID-19, her plans have been changed or, uh, uh, you know, the original plans maybe had to be thrown out and uh, kind of adjusted to, but she's finding a way to keep going forward, keep working towards her goal, uh, despite the, the obstacles that life has put on her way recently, which is again, something I think, I hope most of us can probably relate to as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, today's chat and find out a little bit more about what she's doing and maybe even more so about the why behind uh, the big events and the big plans that she has uh, with, in today's chat with Ms. Liz Warner. So Liz, thanks for uh, joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. And uh, so looking forward to, to diving into it a bit, like I said. And guys, if you want to dive into it more yourselves as well, uh, runtoreach.com is the website. Just, just like it's spelled, all word, all worded out. Run, R U N to the, you know, T O that type of two, uh, reach dot com. Uh, Instagram and Facebook, same handle, both places, which makes it always easy to find as well at Run to Reach. And uh, in case you need any links and anything, we'll have we'll have links for uh, everything as we always do uh, in the show notes. And that for today is disruns dot com slash eight four six disruns dot com slash eight four six for links to websites, uh, social medias, anything else we talk to talk about that makes sense to link to. As always, we'll have it all linked up. Disruns dot 
patreon.com slash 846. So, uh, Liz, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a very uh, simple question that sometimes it has a pretty simple answer. Sometimes I feel like I have an idea where we might go. I kind of feel like I have an idea today, but I've been surprised before. Uh, But in any event, it always gives us a good place to start the conversation. And it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Yeah, I mean, without a question, I think at this point, I'd have to say the marathon distance. So 26.2 miles. Um, You know, only because even when I think back to my first marathon, which was back in 2013, I ran the marathon in Tokyo. Yeah, I mean, it just, it completely changed my life. I mean, training for that race, it just gave me this surge of confidence. I had never sort of poured myself into doing anything like that before. And um, once I crossed that first marathon finish line, I mean, that was it. Like, I knew what my new passion was. I started traveling um, for marathons and then eventually six years later, that's when I came up with Run to Reach, which has sort of become, I mean, again, like the most transformative thing I think I could have ever done in my life. And um, it's, it's can completely just thrown my life in all different directions. Um, I can't wait to talk more about it. But but yeah, definitely the marathon distance, I would have to say is, is my favorite. It's my go to at this point. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I, I always have a little bit of a, a smile on my face when somebody uh, talks about the marathon and, and especially like you said, you know, that, that first marathon, it was, it was such a life-changing event. It sounds like it went pretty well. And, and I, I just kind of chuckled to myself because uh, my first uh, marathon was just a, an, an epic disaster of, you know, being ill-prepared really? and uh, just miserable and this is stupid and I'll never do this again. And yeah. of course, you know, that, that, that went out the window, but um, you know, yeah. looking back at, at Tokyo, it sounds like it was a pretty good experience. I mean, um, you know, what was it, was it that, that good of a, you know, fairly smooth sailing or was there a little bit more uh, roughness along the way that you kind of glossed over there? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, so it wasn't the actual official Tokyo marathon. Mm. So I used to live in Japan. Um, I lived there from 2012 to 2016. And, uh, this race was actually for all the local like Tokyoites, people living in Tokyo who didn't get into the, who didn't get accepted into the Tokyo marathon. So it was sort of this like small race for maybe like only two or 300 people participated. It was kind of outside of the city as well. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, I, I had a blast. It was beautiful weather. I had been training for the marathon for several months and it was, I was also going through a pretty tough period in my life. Um, My father just passed away and You know, it just, there were actually no distance markers in this first marathon. So I think it was actually mentally tough to be like, uh, I have no idea how far I've actually gone in this race. And this is like pretty painful. But I think, you know, once the happy endorphins kicked in at probably kilometer 40, I think, or 30, I don't know Mm -hmm. at the point. Um, Yeah, I mean, it just, it was, it was an empowering feeling. And Um, you know, I remember during the race thinking, of course, I'll never do this ever again, but you know, the second you cross the finish line, you're, you're addicted. Like it's, it's, you know, a a very healthy addiction. Yes. Yes. I I can agree with that. And, and, uh, um, I still think I said, I'll never do this again, even after I crossed the finish line, but, uh, you know, it, it didn't take long. Like at least at that point, there was some cracks in the armor, uh, because of that finish line experience. And, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, certainly become probably my favorite distance as well. Um, but before, before yeah. the, the marathon is what was, what was running like Had running been part of your life 
regularly leading up to that? Or was there some uh, spur that kind of kicked you into running to, to gear up for that marathon? Or kind of how'd you get started in the, in the sport of running? Yeah, so I actually was not a runner at all before this first race. I grew up playing the sport squash. Mm-hmm. It's like the kind of like racquetball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played it pretty competitively growing up. It was actually my whole life. Um, I traveled almost every weekend for tournaments and, um, I played it in college as well. And then again, like right around the time my father passed away, I just completely burned out with squash. Like it was over. Um, and so then a friend of mine, I mean, I was going through this really tough period and she actually got me to sign up for a half marathon. Again, I never run more than maybe a couple of miles Mm -hmm. in my life. I did not enjoy running up until that point. I trained for this half marathon, loved the experience, but yeah, after I, I finished, I was it never really dawned on me to continue running. Um, I actually sort of took almost a year off of doing anything because I just was figuring my life out. Um, I moved to Japan. And then um, my Japanese tutor at the time, once I'd actually moved to Tokyo, he had signed up for this marathon. You know, I had three months to train for it. And I was like, I might as well focus my energy towards something that's really healthy and, you know, again, it was sort of those, that hour, a few hours during the day where, you know, training for this marathon just became sort of my meditation. It was sort of my therapeutic outlet. And that's sort of always how I've seen running for me. It's sort of, it's my form of meditation. It's how I release a lot of my stress, like many people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's sort of my running journey up until my first marathon. Gotcha. And then how long did it take after that first marathon to, to sign up for another one? Was it, was it pretty instantaneous or was it, did it take a little while to to make it happen again? Um, yeah, it maybe took a few months. So I had been living in Japan after that first marathon for a bit over a year and I was having a bit of trouble extending my visa Mm. for Japan. And so I told myself, am I, if I'm able to actually figure out how to extend my visa, I'm going to sign up for a marathon someplace else in, in Asia. And so I found another marathon in Seoul, uh, South Korea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sure enough, I figured out how to extend my visa and ran that second marathon. And just from there, that's when I decided, you know, marathon running for me is going to also be about traveling and discovering different culture. And so from then on, I probably ran a marathon or two marathons every year and just, you know, planned a trip out of it. And that's how sort of this whole project really took shape is sort of marrying these two passions of mine, running and traveling together. Gotcha. And I I feel like that's certainly personally, that's, that's part of my uh, plans with, with running. Although I I wish I could say I was ambitious to say, you know, all these countries, mine is more of the 50 States, you know, run a, run a marathon in every state. Although I, you know, which is so cool. Yeah, I hope so. And, and, and I would be, I would be lying if I said that there weren't some ambitions to maybe, you know, do some international travel and international running as, as well. But the, the big posted goal as of, as of today is certainly the, the 50 States. Um, yeah. But but with with that goal of of you know hey you're you're enjoying running you know you're you're in uh, Asia so it's it's I don't want to say it's easier to bounce around to different countries but like you know like some of those some of the travel logistics may be a little bit easier than various parts of of other yes. parts of the world but w- whatever I'm trying to say there is is that you're able to travel and experience like you said different cultures different countries running races at the same yeah. time um, when did when did the seeds for Run to Reach come into into um, 
come into kind of focus? When did when did the plans start to come to, together to to marry both the running and the travel aspect, which which is awesome, but you could kind yeah. of say it can be a little bit on the selfish side, but compo- you know, but combining it with a with a charitable doing good for others type of of uh, you know, kind of blending those those ideas together. Absolutely. So, okay. Fast forward six years, I guess, from my first marathon, I had just been, you know, traveling once a year to do only one or two races. And, um, I eventually moved to Paris to get my master's, got my master's. And actually during that year of, of studying, I was running a lot. I ran several marathons, one in Lebanon, the Paris marathon, of course, um, And then I started this one job and I was working there for a year and working really insane hours. And I just, I literally didn't have any time to run. And on the weekends I was just sort of recovering and catching up on sleep. And, um, it was after that first year of of working at that company, uh, I had just actually gotten married and it was during my honeymoon. It was again, just really like the first moment after a crazy year, even just planning my wedding and doing all sorts of, you know, those things. Um, I was just sitting in the car. My husband was next to me. We were on my honeymoon in Namibia. And, uh, the idea just came to me, you know, what if I ran 30 marathons before I turned 30? Like I knew I, I needed a really big goal ahead of myself. Um, I had a year and a half, uh, to essentially complete this goal. Cause I had already run 10 marathons mm-hmm. And, um, I sort of blurted it out, um, to my husband and he was like, no, you're absolutely crazy. And, you know, even just health wise, like you've never run more than a marathon in a single year. Like how could you actually take on 20 marathons and a bit over a year? And, uh, you know, but I let the idea sort of marinate in my head and I'd always, you know, I'd been working in marketing communications for the past, you know, eight years since I graduated college. And I was just ready to use sort of transfer, translate these skills into something more meaningful. I had this sort of urge within me for a good amount of years. And so I let the idea sort of sit. And that's when I came up with this, you know, sort of the drive behind the project, which would be to partner with a local organization in each of the countries that I'd be running in going forward with this project. And then um, probably a couple of months into, I decided, you know, my passion is, you know, supporting women empowerment initiatives. So that's when sort of this umbrella theme, you know, all the organizations I was going to be supporting and fundraising for would be women focused. Um, and, you know, they would be doing many different, different things sort of in that particular field, but that you know, I really wanted that to be the, the, the true driver of this entire project. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, wow. So many, so many things there as, as per usual, so many different, <laughs> different questions that, that bubble up to my, to my, uh, head when I, when I'm hearing that, um, I guess we'll, we'll stick with, we'll start with the, the, the running side of things first. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, so, so, you had 10 marathons under your belt at that point. You got a, a year and a half to go yes. and try to get 20 more in before, uh, yes. before you turn 30. Um, h- yes. how, how did, how did the, the, the training side, how did your, did, you know, your body adapting to increased mileage, more, more, yeah. uh, long runs Were were you running specifically 
quote unquote actual races or were there, you know, some of them were, were 26.2 miles by yourself or with, with friends, but not a, a quote unquote proper race or how did, how did the running yeah. logistics kind of come together? Yes. So the crazy thing about this project is that I actually only had two months to plan everything in terms of just choosing the marathons, the schedules, figuring out my budget, reaching out to sponsors, and then above all, choosing all the different organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, So it actually, I mean, I think as soon as I got back from my honeymoon and I decided, you know, I was going to pursue this project, I actually had a meeting with my old company to tell them that it was um, ending my contract. You know, it felt really liberating and very exciting at the time. But then probably like one month into planning, I have like never felt more stressed out or overwhelmed in my entire life, just realizing all of the different um, sort of administrative side to this project. And um, but yeah, in terms of just training, for me, I knew that the goal with all the marathons was just simply to not get injured. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do a lot of strength training. I made sure to do tons of stretching. Like I really, almost every single day of this entire past year, I've stretched for maybe an hour a day. Um, I didn't honestly increase my mileage that much. Like I'd already been running maybe 60 to 65 miles a week, which Mm -hmm. I thought was good. Yeah, that's, and, that's, that's, um, that's a, a good number. That's, that's a number I'm not at. Yeah. So I, I can't uh, fault that at all. I mean, as I, for me, as long, like, again, I was not focusing on speed the mm-hmm. past year because I knew the second that I would switch into sort of being more numbers focused, I would get injured. Right. And there was just, I was running maybe two, sometimes three marathons a month. And I just, there'd be no way I could actually complete this whole project if I, um, really focused on time. So for me, it was just, you know, making sure that I was building up my mental endurance. And so when I was sort of during those two months of being in Paris and planning this project, I, um, you know, maybe once a week I tried to go for like, you know, a seven or eight hour run. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just to, again, like have a huge amount of miles under my belt on that day, it was just to build up my mental endurance. Cause also some of the races I knew I was going to be taking on, were going to be very, very difficult just in terms of being, you know, more trail races and, um, and just, you know, knowing the fact that I'd be doing multiple marathons a month, it was just, again, building up my mental strength that I was really trying to focus on. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's a, an overlooked, um, aspect for a lot of folks is, is the uh, yeah. amount of mental endurance and mental focus and, and strength and whatever, whatever you want to call it. But that, the, the mindset piece of, of running, um, was that something that, yeah. that you, you know, kind of looking back, maybe struggle, I don't want to say struggle with, but maybe overlooked, neglected with some of the, the first, maybe 10 marathons that you ran to, to recognize that you needed to focus on, or, or wh- how did you know that that was something that you needed to be, um, trained and worked on as you were kind of getting yeah. ready to, to gear up for this challenge? You know, it's funny. I actually think I felt really good about my mental endurance. I think going into it probably better than my physical endurance. Um, and I honestly, you know, I think as you, as you well know, I mean, taking on a marathon for me, I really believe it's 90% mental Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the people that claim that they could never run a marathon, I always tell them this, that it's just your confidence building and like physically, you probably most likely 
could be able to do it. But um, I think it's just having the confidence. And I mean, of course, you do need to have some foundation of training. But um, but for me, I think, you know, there are even some races that took me over 10 hours because they were like really, really tough mountain races. And I think back to that original training where I just, you know, again, tried to go for those really long, even sometimes very boring runs, just so I could, you know, build up that sort of mental endurance to push through and and not give up. And, you know, I think also because I was for each of these races, I was running for a greater purpose than myself. And um, oftentimes when I be in these countries, the races would, would be sort of towards the end of the trip. And so I'd have, you know, during the race, all, all this time to sort of reflect on all these incredible experiences, working with the organizations while I was there. And so, um, and so I think that also gave me a lot of strength as well, just knowing that this, you know, all of these marathons were for a greater purpose as well. Gotcha. Yeah, there's certainly uh, that that component of of you know when like you said doing it for a greater purpose, a greater a greater reason um, makes it uh, I think a little bit easier to persevere. Um, with my my yeah. one limited experience of doing charity running, that certainly that was you know like that that definitely on, on the days when when the training isn't you're not quite feeling it, or you know you get to that point in the yeah. race when it's like a little bit tougher, but like you know. For me, it was like you look down at, at I got team and training on my chest. It's like, all right, well, like you know, I'm doing this for kids that are, are fighting leukemia or whatever. Like, like I can I can keep right. going. I can I can run an extra three miles. Like I I can do this. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure that, that yeah. certainly helps. Um, from the 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 fundraising side of things, um, and and the charities, yes. the organizations that you're working with, um, what what was yes. you know, again, kind of maybe this is a, a a little bit of a of a foolish question, but you know, you, you're trying to identify. 15, 20 different organizations out of the, the literal thousands, yes. tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands yes. of very worthy organizations out there. How did you kind of yeah. decide which, which organizations to try to get behind and support? Of course, it was a very exhaustive process, very time consuming. I think for me, even when I went into this project, I also was kind of jaded by the whole charitable giving sector mm. myself. And, you know, you would read about all these controversies of very big international organizations. And I was always, you know, I think for the past five years, very skeptical of organizations, you know, fundraising and just not knowing exactly where your money would be going towards if you chose to give to mm. them. Um, and so for me, it was very important. I think the most important to choose to work with organizations that were extremely transparent with what they do, their actions, all of their projects, exactly where their money goes, because at the end of the day, that made it very easy for me to also communicate it to my potential donors. You know, if you chose to give to give twenty five dollars to this organization, this is what you would get out of it. You would be buying a pair of running sneakers for an Afghan woman runner, or you would be able to um, provide five years of healthy life to a woman in South Africa with family planning services. So, for me, it was just it was very important to be able to also quantify donation amounts. And I was very surprised, you know, once I started reaching out to organizations at the very beginning, how, you know, it's not, not always their fault, but very few organizations can actually give you these numbers. Mm -hmm. And, and again, it, it's not always their fault. You know, they just sometimes don't have the resources to 
to figure these things out. And it sometimes is not always as easy to just put a number in front of something. And I, I totally get that. But I guess for my campaign, I knew that was really important. And I wanted to, you know, in terms of just fundraising and for, for me too, coming back from coming from a communications background, like all these things sort of need to be in order for me to feel like the campaign has, um, you know, has its strengths and, you know, I'm able to really, especially going from organization to organization and being organized and how like I'm doing my research and how I'm communicating. It just made the whole process a lot easier for me when I was fundraising. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, a big, a big undertaking. And, and where, where are we at now? You know, you're, you're closing in on, for those that, that aren't aware, you know, we got, we get, we get to play yeah. the, the future slash past game today because we're recording yeah. this, um, in the middle of, of May and there's still a, about a month yeah. or so, not quite a month before your 30th birthday. So a couple, a couple marathons still to go. Um, uh, but by the time people are listening to this, it's going to be actually, yes. as, as you, you let me know, serendipitously, not planned, but yes. uh, released on the day of your 30th birthday. So funny how that works out. Yes. Um, so exactly. some of this stuff has already happened, but but as we're recording this, where, where are we at with fundraising? How are, how are you doing on that front? Yeah. Um, how many races are still to go? Kind of, kind of where, where are we at right now? Which again, is in the past yes. when people are listening to this, which is a, an awkward game to play, but, but as we're recording. No, we no, right no. <laughs> so, um. At this point, I mean, hopefully by June 8th, I will have completed my 30 marathons. Basically, when all of the um, the entire world started shutting down in mid-March, I had completed 28 races. I was actually in Yemen. Um, I had just completed a marathon there and almost got stranded uh, in Yemen. And it was that's a whole story in itself. But, um, but yeah, you know, up until this point, I've, you know, I've completed... 30 marathons. My 29th marathon, um, is actually a virtual race. And my goal has been to get runners from a hundred plus countries to join in for it. And so, um, you know, it's actually been a beautiful silver lining in this whole crazy period now with the pandemic happening. Um, you know, originally my last two races were supposed to be in Greece and my final race was supposed to be um, on Everest Mountain, the Everest Marathon. But um, but yeah, with this virtual race counting as my 29th marathon, I mean, it's it's involved so many people with this project. It's actually made fundraising a lot easier because, again, people are personally involved and invested in this race. And um, I still don't know where my 30th marathon will be. That will all um, be determined. And actually, probably in the next week or two, because, um, yeah, I mean, lockdown was just lifted here in Paris. So it's we're still trying to see if perhaps I could travel someplace else in Europe. And I'll probably do this last race, honestly, on my own. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is sort of but, you know, again, I, I think all of us have just had to adapt. And even when I got back from yeah, and I just completed Marathon 28. I received a ton of messages from friends and family just being like, Liz, it's really okay if you have to postpone your project. It's okay if you have to do your marathons after you turn 30. But, you know, this whole year has been about making lots of lemonade out of lemon situations. And, you know, I you know, I'm also ready. I'm, it's, it's been an exhausting year, like an, an absolutely incredible year, but I feel actually ready to wrap up this project in a very strong way. So, um, 
I've raised up until this point, like a bit over $40,000, like 45,000, um, through online and offline donations. And my original goal, of course, was to raise a hundred thousand, um, just so I'm able to donate a substantial amount to each of the organizations that I've worked with. And I am definitely going to continue to fundraise even after this project ends, um, on June 8th or when my 30th birthday is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I actually just launched a very big final fundraising push to try to get 2,600 people to donate $26 in the lead up of my final 26 miles. So I completely understand that's a really, it's a quite a big number. And I don't know if I have that many people in my network, but <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm planning to continue to, um, to fundraise even after this whole mission ends. Uh, so let's see if I can, yeah, hopefully still make this a hundred thousand dollar goal. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And, um, guys, as, as you probably expect, we've got a link in the show notes for, for fundraising. And so if you, if you, uh, can, can part with $26 or $30 or $50 or $10 or whatever, whatever you can, you can give to the cause. Uh, we've got a link disruns.com slash eight, four, six. I would give you the link, but it's, you know, as per usual, it's, it's links, link speak with a bunch of slashes and dots and dashes and things like that. So we'll just make it easy. Disruns.com slash eight, four, six. There'll be a link right there in the show notes. You can click and, and donate as you feel, uh, as you feel led and able. Um, so, you know, like you, like you said, Liz, COVID-19 pops up. It's, it's, you know, Obviously, it affects everywhere. You, you adapt and adjust. Um, make a virtual race, and still kind of trying to figure out what what to do for for marathon thirty. Kind of depending on on how things shake out in the next couple of weeks. Um, how how much of a struggle was that? I mean, I, I have to feel like it was probably pretty deflating. Kind of like like, damn, I made it this far, and you know, the, the finish yeah. line is in sight. And, and now all of a sudden, I mean, you know, not that it was obviously completely out of your control, but like, you know, it's, it's not what you had planned. And, and I think, I think this is something that pretty much all of us can relate to You know, every, just about everybody I know had races canceled, spring race plans completely thrown off. Um, even outside of running life, life plans completely adjusted. How, how did you, um, I'm assuming it was difficult, but how did you kind of come to grips with, with the challenge, the change of plans and try to pivot, you know, obviously into doing a virtual race and and kind of playing the last one by ear, but, but how did, how much of a, of a difficult process was that for you? Of course. Um, you know, like I sort of mentioned before, right when the world was starting to shut down, I was on this remote Island off of Yemen and I did not have internet access for eight days. Um, I luckily had bought, um, brought with me a satellite phone. So every few days I was calling my mom or my husband and they were sort of letting me know that the world was about to shut down. The U.S. was issuing a travel ban. And so I sort of had this four day buffer period while I was on this remote desert island uh, to sort of process everything. And, and I knew, I knew that you know, all the races were going to be canceled. Of course, it was upsetting at first because also for the last marathon, I had um, a documentary crew mm-hmm. that was supposed to be following me and we had just secured a large amount of funding for them to to come to Nepal. And, you know, all of these things that had taken hundreds of hours to prepare were sort of just, you know, falling through the cracks. But it's just, this is what has happened to all of us. And I think 
not even for a second, I've really found any time to feel sorry for myself because, you know, also as soon as I got back from Paris, I had more than a few friends who immediately lost their jobs. And it's just like, yes, you know, I've poured my heart and soul in this project the past year, but like the whole world is crumbling now. And again, it's, it's just, it's making lemonade out of lemons and, that's, I've definitely had to pivot in quite a few ways over the past year. A lot of, you know, part of this project has not gone to plan. So I just, I I feel like it's just been my coping mechanism. You know, how can I take this, this situation and turn it around? And like I said before, like with this virtual race, you know, I'm not, yes, I'm not on Everest mountain, but you know, over the past week, even since I've launched it, I've connected with runners in Bhutan, Kuwait, runners in Syria, in Iran. And it's like that, I think, is just so much more powerful than just me running a race on my own in any part of the world. It's it's really bringing people together. And also with the virtual race, um, I mean, of course, I've chosen to fundraise for the Who's uh, COVID-19 response fund and just to really tie in what's happening around the world because I want people to feel a part of Run to Reach. Like this is not just um, my own personal project anymore. I want, you know, that I think what's so powerful about running is that it transcends borders, it transcends political situations, transcends conflict. And, and I think that's something that I really hope to also communicate with this race is that I want it to be fully inclusive and, and just for it to bring us all together, just again, what this global pandemic has done. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was difficult, but life has been difficult for everyone. And so again, it's just, it's, I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, I have a roof over my head. I have, you know, an amazing support system. I have food on the table and not even a lot of people can say that. And I think that's also been, I think just such a disheartening part about this whole conflict is just reading about the most vulnerable people who are being affected by this. And it's, again, it's, you know, I've just found very little time or to feel sorry about my situation. And it's, it's actually, like I said, turning out to be a really beautiful silver lining, um, with the virtual race. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, you know, it allows for some perspective and, and is, is yes. as inconvenient as it might be for, for, for some of us. I mean, you know, again, first world problems, like we're, we're still, we're still yes. able to connect. We're still, you know, talking across continents, like, you know, it, yes. and it, it certainly could be a, a lot worse and it's, it's a good reminder of that. And I'm sure also that some of the traveling different places that you've been, um, also helps to provide some of that perspective. So I, I would, I would love to kind of, as we're getting, yes. you know, the last, the last 10 or 15 minutes today, um, maybe yes. hear some, some stories of some of the places you've been, the, the, the people that you've seen, yeah. the cultures you've experienced. Um, you mentioned that Yemen had a, a bit of a story. Yes. I don't know if you want to dive into that one again or not, but, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll leave it open to you. What, what are some of the, the cool places you've okay. been and experienced along the way? Of course. Um, so at the beginning of this, you know, planning stages of this project, I originally chose marathons and just places I selfishly wanted to travel to. Um, but then sort of six months into the project, I did a marathon in Sierra Leone and I realized, you know, this is what my project needs to be about is actually traveling to, to do marathons in places that people normally wouldn't travel to because it sort of adds this sort of deeper element to my project, you know, not just raising awareness about an amazing organization, but also about 
the country itself. And so I started choosing marathons. For example, I did one in Afghanistan in October, which was truly the most life-changing trip. And I'd love to go deep into that one. Um, I mean, other really cool marathons I did one in um, Madagascar, uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Um, I'm trying to think of others towards the end of last year. I mean, Mongolia. And yeah, I mean, it just, um, you know, I think the marathon in Afghanistan, that was a particularly interesting one. My mom was very unhappy with me going there. And, um, you know, but I think with, with all of these countries, especially that are sort of weighed down with negative images in the media, especially with Afghanistan, I mean, you know, I was going with a, a reputable, like a respected tour agency that often travels there. And so I knew it was going to be a really profound trip. Um, and the organization I was working with there is called Free to Run. And um, it basically provides safe spaces for Afghan women to participate in, in running or in sport. So, um, so yeah, it was just also such an incredible trip because not only was I just going there and and visiting the country, but I was spending 10 days with these really fiercely courageous uh, Afghan women runners who were going to be running the marathon with me. And so it was just a really, you know, with so many of these trips, just eye-opening to hear the stories of the local people. And, you know, it sort of just smashed all my preconceived notions of what people in Afghanistan, how they would talk, what their perspectives were. I mean, just even some of these Afghan women, you know, they were like open books with sort of talking about horrific experiences in their lives, you know, witnessing bombings, etc. But then they would, you know, be going into switching the conversation and just be telling me about how Game of Thrones was their favorite show and how they had just watched um, or just read Michelle Obama's book, uh, book Becoming. And um, so, yeah, so it was just also, I think, just such an incredible experience to realize how much um, or how many commonalities we have with these people that we sort of consider others or from very different cultures from our own. And, um, and so, yeah, and I mean, just even learning about, again, some of the issues, even from the perspective of, of um, uplifting women in a lot of these countries where women don't, I mean, clearly don't have the same rights as you know, women in the U.S. or in, in Europe and Western world. So that's also just been extremely eye-opening. And it's it's also just renewed. I feel like this whole past year has renewed my hope for humanity because it really, you know, also working with a ton of these local, like smaller organizations is just seeing how much impact they're actually having. And, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I it's really hard to put, I think even the past month since I've been back in Paris, I'm sort of just starting to starting to process everything and um, and like unpacking all of these experiences in, in my mind because it's actually was really crazy because for for almost 10 months, I didn't come home at all. And I was just bouncing from place to place. And and with that came, you know, working with a different organization in each country, which also just was hard to, it's almost like the days just never happened because it was just so many different experiences all at once. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just was an incredibly humbling experience and I feel very lucky to have traveled places to places 
places that I don't think I could have ever dreamed of going to before Run to Reach. Right, right. This uh, this may be an impossible question, so I, I uh, recognize yes. the, the fallacy of the question or the the, uh, the futility. I guess a better better word, the futility of the question I'm about to ask. But what has yes. been the the best part of the the last year and a half has it been the, the travel the running the the yeah. relationships the 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 benefit of of you know supporting the the organizations and the, the impact that has like if you had to if you had to nail yeah. down one thing you can be selfish <laughs> here you don't have to to say that it's yeah. you know, the, the right answer of of the, the the difference you've made but what's been the best part of, yeah. of run to reach so far for you <sighs> that's really hard because of course i mean the whole package. But, you know, if I really had to think back on the most meaningful aspect, I mean, it's always the people that you meet along the way. And I've made truly best friends out of the past year. Um, friends that I've met at one, one marathon and then who decided to join me on another part of the trip. And luckily, I mean, some of these trips, I would say a number of them, I went to these countries on my own. But then quite a few of the trips I had friends joining me for them and uh yeah and it's just you know I think back on certain conversations I've had with people you know with local people meeting in these countries that um yeah I mean it just was absolutely mind expanding some of these conversations just you know again I sort of i not afraid to admit this, like I would go into these countries sort of having this sort of preconceived notion of what I read about it beforehand, or just, you know, what the media sort of information, the media fed me all throughout my life that sort of shaped my perception of this place. And, um, and it's just, it was just absolutely amazing sort of smashing all of these preconceived notions and, and creating really amazing memories, mostly again, by the people that I met in all of these countries. Um, so yeah, I would say it's, it would mostly be, I guess, the human connection aspect of the past year and, um, and really learning about these cultures and the issues in some of these countries from the people themselves, uh, living there. And, um, I mean, the running aspect, I still don't know how I, didn't manage to get injured or like, I'm even, I'm a very clumsy person. So the fact that I didn't, you know, fall down the stairs or trip on something and it obviously would have just ended everything for me with this project. But, you know, I mean the whole, the whole package, like I think for me, um, going forward, even just in terms of future physical, uh, challenges I hope to continue taking on. Like I definitely feel like again, that I've built up my mental strength enough that I hope to do more ultras in the future. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's something that I still want to, con- um, continue doing after this. And, you know, even though this project is wrapping up, I know I'll have more ideas, you know, in the works, hopefully in the future. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to finding a job, like a normal job, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in the next few months, if that's even possible with what's happening. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always the people that have the most impact. And I mean, all of the sort of extra details on the side, like I loved trying all the different foods in all these countries. I mean, I definitely experienced quite a lot of food poisoning over mm-hmm. the past year. And especially during some of these races, I experienced quite a bit of food poisoning and it was painful, but, um, but yeah, just all of these, you know, 
elements of travel. And I think what was so exhilarating also about the past years and what I love so much about traveling is that you know, you can only plan so much. And there would be like instances I would honestly show up in a country and I didn't have anything planned. And not even because I like I wanted it that way. I just didn't have the time to actually plan out logistics or like I, you know, plans fell through or I don't even know. So, and it was also just figuring it out along the way. And I also think that's been a beautiful part of this project is that I honestly feel like if I was picked up and sort of placed in any part of the world. Um, I feel pretty confident that I could find someone like a kind human to help me and help me find my way at least. And, you know, that really could extend to Afghanistan or, you know, Yemen or all these places that you sort of imagine the people there being, you know, just in a very vulnerable position where they would not perhaps want to help you, but that's not at all the case. And, you know, there are incredibly warm and hospitable people wherever you go. So I think that's also been a, a beautiful part of the past year as well as just sort of realizing this again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as you mentioned a couple of times now, kind of getting ready for this, this project to, to wrap up as much fun as it, as I'm yeah. sure it was as life changing as it, as it obviously has been, um, you know, like yeah. you said, not being home for weeks on end, months on end, like it would be nice yes. to, to unpack and, and relax a little bit. Yes. Um, although yes. Then, then yeah, you're coming home and, and, uh, you know, world is crazy right now. So who knows, who knows what, that, yes. what that's going to be like, but, uh, as, yeah. as we're wrapping up, um, kind of the, the, the quote unquote philosophical question that I like to ask at the end here, mm-hmm. something that's, it's a little bit kind of open-ended. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, and, and again, this might be an, an almost impossible question, or there might be a half a dozen things that you can rattle off and that's, and that's fine. We'll, we'll take it as, as far as it goes, but it would be curious, okay. you know, l- things you've learned, lessons you've learned from this, uh, you know, the last year and a half of, of putting this together and doing the fundraising and doing the running and the relationships and the people, the places you've been, um, what are, what are one or two or five or however many things that you've, you've learned that you think will really be valuable in, in shaping you going forward, whether it's professionally, personally, as a runner, whatever, um, you know, obviously predicting the future is always an impossible question anyway, but what, what can you see right now as maybe being potential life lessons learned, uh, from the last year and a half? Loaded question, but I love it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, especially with what's happened in the past couple of months with COVID-19, I think with life, you just need to, to a certain extent, surrender yourself to the unknown. And, um, and I think just having this sort of making lemonade out of lemons mentality as much as you can, um, is the best lesson I think that I can take away from the past year. Cause there have been a lot of books in the road. And, you know, even with, I set quite a lot of expectations for myself with this project and nothing ever goes as planned ever, ever, ever. So, um, you know, I think I, whenever I meet anyone who sort of has expresses to me that, you know, I have this crazy idea, I've wanted to do it, but I don't know when there's the right time to do it. Or I have, you know, I've all, all these responsibilities. Like my answer is always, there's never, a good time mm-hmm. to pursue a crazy idea. And, you know, a crazy idea could be something small. It could be something huge. But I do think that 
you know, obviously life is very short and, um, and it would be a tragedy to get to an, you know, 80 years old or if you were to live that long and, and just think back on that crazy idea and like, what a tragedy to regret not having at least tried to pursue it, you know? And, um, and I think, you know, I, I've always been a pretty impulsive person. I don't think a lot of things through. And I think that's my greatest fault. But I also think it's my greatest, one of my greatest qualities, because I it has sort of thrown me in really crazy situations where it's forced me to grow. And it's forced me to open my eyes. It's allowed me to meet so many amazing people. It's allowed me it's pushed my physical and just emotional boundaries as well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, life lessons, you know, surrender yourself to the unknown, mm. um, you know, always hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Like that needs to be something that we do better as like a collective, mm. um, you know, um, unit, like the world, um, you know, limit your expectations in life. And that doesn't just, you know, extend to plans, but it's also with people. And I think, you know, even with this past year, I probably had a million phone calls with people who were like, oh, I love your project. I want to help. Um, let me connect you to this, that, like all the people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things just never also panned out the way that I thought it would. Um, also going into this project, you know, I was very naive and stupidly assumed I would find a big sponsor in, you know, in a week Mm -hmm. and it just, you know, it never happened. And so I think it's also, you know, things happen for a reason. And, um, I think whenever I do get really down on myself, it's just, it's all part of the journey. And I think, I've also really been trying to find the positives in failing, of course. And there are lots of, you know, parts of this project where, yeah, like even just not achieving my fundraising goal or all these small things that, you know, I was really hoping for with this project and it just didn't work out. Like, I think, you know, any opportunity where you, where you don't succeed or you fail, is just, a, again, more room for growth and, um, you know, I think, again, even just being home for the past month, I have conversations with my husband all the time where I'm like, I don't, I mean, the past year has been absolutely insane, but I don't even know what kind of like lessons or mm-hmm. I can't even really put into words how I think I've actually grown yet. Um, but I think, you know, by, by just doing something that scares you and, you know, even for me, like I... I'm not a very outspoken person. And so even when I've been campaigning and raising awareness about all of these different causes that I've been supporting over the past year, it's completely out of my character to do so. Like I've always, you know, the past my entire life been sort of working on the back end. And, and so for this project, I've sort of had to be in the spotlight or not spotlight, but be in the public. And that mm-hmm. has made me feel really uncomfortable in many instances. Um, but I think again, that's how you grow and that's, you know, no matter if you come out of it, um, you know, having succeeded or failed, like it is a, an experience that will shape you forever. And that, I mean, to me is like the meaning of life is how can you, you know, 
um, throw yourself in opportunities or experiences that will allow for infinite expansion of both heart and mind. And um, that's always been sort of my goal for my own life personally. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like you said, I think, I think um, in the, the coming months and years, once you get a little distance from this, the, the lessons, I mean, already learned a lot, no, no doubt. And, and shaped by this for, for yeah. different, you know, forever. But uh, there'll be continued to be more and more things coming. So be, be curious, you know, five years from now, you look back and go, oh yeah, yeah, I learned this and learned that. And there's gonna be so many things that, that continue to come out of this, this uh, quite an, an amazing trip. And, and guys, once again, if you want to find out more about uh, what Liz has been doing uh, now that she's, you know, as, as again, as, as we're talking about in the present, but in the future, but in the past, uh, now that she's 30, because you're listening to this on, on her 30th birthday, uh, she's wrapped it up, done yes. the 30 marathons. Um, check out all the information at runtoreach.com or at runtoreach on Instagram, Facebook, uh, disruns.com slash 846, the link to get back to the show notes for today. We've got the link to donate as well. As the, as the fundraising continues and the good work uh, from this last year and a half's uh, ambitious plans, uh, the, the good work continues and we can support that. Disruns.com slash 846. So uh, Liz, thank you for, uh, for, for making the time. Um, and, and again, as I'm saying this, you know, good luck for the last couple of, of races. But as people listen to this, congratulations on the last couple of, of races and, and wrapping it up. <laughs> That's hope. Um, and That's and hope. certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully stay in touch and who knows, maybe somewhere down the line, we can do this again at some point. Yeah. Sounds great. Denny. Thank you so much again. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope that you enjoyed the conversation between Liz and myself. And as per usual, would be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was, what was something that we talked about that really kind of hit home with you. Uh, for me, it was, it was, I mean, it was more or less a theme from the whole, the whole episode and, and more or less a, a theme for, you know, kind of where, where life is right now and, and kind of adapting and coming and coming through it. You know, I think, uh, Liz used the, the phrase, you know, turning lemons into lemonade or making lemonade out of lemons, uh, three or four or five times during the course of the conversation. And, uh, I think that that's something that, that is important to remember, important to be willing to do, uh, I know a lot of us as runners tend to uh, be a little bit more on the type A end of the scale. You know, we like to plan things out. We like to have our our race schedule locked in locked in place well in advance. We like to have our workouts scheduled. We know what we're doing on what day, and and you know, heaven forbid, we try to deviate from the plan. Right? Uh, we get locked in, and and to to a certain extent, I think that's that's a good thing. I think I you know I've I've said several times I'm a fan of routine. I'm a fan of consistency. I'm a fan of of getting into a groove and and using that to our advantage. But when life happens, which is a phrase I know you've heard me say at least once or twice. You know, if you've listened to like three episodes of the show, I've probably said that a, a half a dozen times, right? If you've li- been listening longer than that, you've heard it multiple times, right? Uh, life life happens. You know, life happens when you're trying to plan out uh, 20 marathons to run around, literally, you know, various places all around the globe in a year and a half. You know, things are going to happen. You're going to have travel issues. You're going to have communication issues. Um, and you just got to adapt. You got to adjust. You got to make it make it work. And then just when you're getting close to the finish line, a couple races to go. Boom. Worldwide pandemic. Everything shuts down. No travel. No races. No nothing. Got to make it work. Got to make it work. And, and obviously, uh, Liz has done that. And it's something that it just it just struck me how, you know, y'all know, I talk about the, the parallels between running and life, um, the, the metaphors, the lessons, whatever you want to call it. 
And, and here's one playing out in real time as runners. We have to adjust. We have to make it work on race day during a training run, uh, whatever the case might be, things aren't perfect all the time. In fact, things are rarely perfect ever, let alone all the time. We make it, we make it work. We get it done. We get the job done. We get across the finish line. We, we get our miles in for the day. We get our work done and, and we keep moving forward. And when that happens in life, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's not something any of us look forward to or celebrate, but we got to keep that same attitude, that same mindset of, of figuring out what's the best way to keep moving forward. Maybe there's a way to make, uh, you know, lemonade out of lemons. Maybe there's just a way to, to make the lemons a bit more palatable, even if it's not as good as lemonade, but we just gotta, we gotta do what we gotta do to keep moving forward. And, and I just feel like this entire conversation is one big example of that. And just a reminder to me, uh, that, that's something that we always need to be willing to do. We always need to adapt, adjust, do the best we can, put our plans in place, but don't be so married to them that if slash when life happens, we're, we're, we don't know how to adjust or we're, we're unable, we're unwilling to change things up because we're always going to have to play to change things up. Life is always going to happen. We got to adjust. So that is my takeaway from today. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Uh, let me know at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. Of course, you can also send an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And you can also, if it's easier for you, head over to the show notes for today, which you can get to at Dizruns.com slash 846. Leave your thoughts, leave your feedbacks, leave your takeaways down there in the comment section. And of course, we got links to all of Liz, Liz's information, social media, website. And uh, if you want to make a donation, you can do that there as well. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and then start to wrap this thing up. Don't forget, uh, disruns.com slash little things is the link that will take you over to the little things course. Check it out. If you've already checked it out, bummed around in there, learned a few things. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Uh, I got some some ideas for some things to come, kind of course wise. Um, and you know, obviously, anything that uh, you can tell me from your experience from this one can hopefully help me make the next one better as well. So if you have any uh, feedback, tips, things you liked, things you didn't like about the Little Things course, whether you've been using it for, you know, I don't know how long it's been out now, months, a year, something like that, or whether you just checking it out for the first time, let me know what you think so I can make the next one even better because that's something that uh, the wheels are starting to turn getting some things done on that front and uh, hopefully have something to announce on that soon as well. So anyway, check it out. Dizruns.com slash little things. And with that, we'll go ahead and officially pull this one into the Harbor. Call it a day. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did go ahead and hit that share button, tell somebody else about the show, help spread the word. Uh, that is certainly always very much appreciated. And until next time, y'all please be well, take care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. See you guys.